Hi, I'm Millie Holton, and you are listening to the Improv Conspiracy Podcast. Here are my thoughts on repetition. The Improv Conspiracy Podcast with your host, Bronny. Hello friends, welcome to another episode of me talking to people about improv on the internet. The next best thing to me talking to people about improv in person, which I would prefer. Hey, but good news. Thanks to the Victorian government lifting some restrictions as of uh, June 8th, the Improv Conspiracy will be opening up classes once again in a limited capacity in order to keep things safe, obviously. Uh, with some new precautions for classes. Uh, but the great news is we will be able to get bodies into the space, creating magic once again. Uh, if you are a member of the Improv Conspiracy community uh, and you're not yet aware of that, there you go. There's the news. I'm excited to teach classes again. I'm excited to be in classes again. I'm just excited to see people, you know, see people, make stuff up, be joyful, all that stuff. Speaking of being joyful... Obviously, this person is joyful. It's Millie Holton, everyone. Winner, two-time winner of the Improv Conspiracy Teacher of the Year. <laughs> she is a TIC performer and coach and teacher. She is a writer and comedian. And she is someone at the Improv Conspiracy who loves to talk about game, loves to teach it, loves to do it. She's very good at it. Today she's speaking about repetition, repetition. Today she's speaking about repetition. Not really in that fashion, but I just did some repetition for you. Notice that? Did you get that? I just did. I, I was saying repetition multiple times to demonstrate the meaning of the word in action. She's got so many better things to say about it than I just did. So let's start to Millie right now. Uh, so I note that I give all the time uh, when I'm side coaching that unlocks it for a lot of people is especially when there's a, like a lower level student who kind of has that deer in the headlights look um, and they kind of look to the side like, oh, what do I do now? I'm 30 seconds in, I've established a base reality. Am I meant to be funny? Am I meant to invent? Uh, the note that kind of keeps that scene going and makes them have way more fun is to say, oh, what was what did we all laugh at 10 seconds ago? And they're usually like, oh, oh I don't know. Um, and then you kind of remind them like, oh, you said X, Y, Z. And they're like, oh, I can talk about that. And then uh, they just keep digging deep into that topic. And all of a sudden the scene comes alive. The audience is enjoying it way more. And I think one of the most valuable tools is being able to recognize where you got that laugh previously and how to return to it in a new and exciting way. Repetition is also like a shortcut to finding out what your character's point of view or obsession is. Um, I find it such an easy kind of hack to repeat a line that you've said before and then use that to figure out with your scene partner what the origin of that is. Uh, for example, if it's uh, like two people on a date, for example, and someone, uh, one of the people says, oh, wow, it's such a lovely night. The other one says, yeah, the, the moon is so big. If they then 30 seconds later repeat, yeah, the moon is massive. 
then together they get to kind of figure out, okay, what's this guy's deal with the moon? Is he scared of it? Does he want to fuck it? <laughs> so slowly you're going to, through repetition, figure out that point of view together. And it's not that you're inventing something off the top of your head. You're just revisiting something you already said. Um, and that goes back to one of the, like, the core principles of improv, which is don't make jokes. Uh, don't look for the laugh. Uh, look for the character and look for what their obsession or point of view is. At the end of the day, the audience are there to laugh and you're going to get more mileage if you return to something that they already enjoy in new and exciting ways over trying to surprise them. Um, of course, you don't want to be repeating a catchphrase over and over, but if they laughed when you did a particular exclamation or physicality, find a way to get to that again in a bigger and uh, different avenue because uh, then they're getting more bang for their buck and you, you already know what they like, so why wouldn't you give it to them? Dave Rosowski refers to it and, and consequently I refer to it as well as like our inventory, like what have we already got in our bag? Mm-hmm. Um, rather than like getting to that point where you are a deer in a headlight and you're um, trying to, you, you're not sure what, what is next. You just look yeah. at what's from before. And, um, and by repeating something, you are giving it either like importance or humor, right? Mm-hmm. It's either just totally. be- becoming something that's meaningful and important to your character or you're giving us something that we're like something, some candy that we can laugh at. Mm, yeah, I think that something repeated enough, even if the initial phrase doesn't get that laugh, you going back to it will kind of, the audience will be on edge a little bit trying to figure out why does he keep repeating this? And then they're more intrigued, they're more invested. And yeah, it's just a shortcut. Yeah. And that, and uh, that's the second time you've mentioned it as like uh, a sticking point of like, why, why is this person mentioning the moon again? Um, And because I think a, a real like hurdle for people is like, is that idea of inventing an unusual thing if we're looking for a game of the scene or whatever, you might be like, oh, I need a, all right, so we're at this date and I don't know, I've talked about the moon and we're like, we've ordered our dinner and we've done all the classic date things and now I've got to try to, like, that's my base reality, great. Now I've got to insert some sort of unusual thing. Yeah, now I've got to say that I think I'm like a monkey doctor. (laughs) Yeah. And like and, they stew yeah. over like what's clever or what's funny or what's going to be the thing. Mm. But it's like, it's not about what's funny yet. Like the, the unusual thing doesn't need to be funny on first drop. Like, no, not at all. It can just not be the all. repetition of the moon. And that like, that grows into the unusual thing. Right. Yeah. And the unusual thing should be organic. Like the fastest way to kill a scene is to bring up something out of the blue. Uh, like start talking in a German accent out of nowhere because it's your go-to move and you think it's going to get a laugh or something like that. Whereas the best ones come out from that relationship between the audience and the player, Um, then the audience clocking something or the player clocking the audience enjoying something and then using that relationship to then, uh, you know, make comedy from that aside from just sticking something random in there. Yeah. Um, just a sidebar, um, because yeah. you have mentioned the audience um, laughing and like clocking that. Um, mm. You've mentioned that a couple of times. There is a, this is a divisive topic because some in. I know, I was hesitant to bring it up. No, I, it's <laughs> perfect because I think both, both points are valid and I think both also, both sides don't always understand each other. Um, mm. 
Uh, so there, there's one school of thought that like an improviser should not give a shit what the audience wants or thinks. Yeah. Um, but then there's the other side of things where like the, the clowny side of things, which is like, no, the, the improviser should be listening for what the audience is enjoying because that's mm. the easiest way to, to bring back things that will get the room going. Right. Yeah, totally. I mean, well, my take on it is that the audience is usually paying. <laughs> <They're> usually, <laughs> like, is, that, is that crazy? Like the, unless they are students, but whether they, okay, let me rephrase that. <laughs> yeah. The audience are there to enjoy themselves. Yeah. I think if you're enjoying yourself as an improviser, that's great. And I think by proxy, the audience will probably get in on that. But there, I don't think there's any shame in doing a show or attempting to do a show that the audience enjoys and listening to audience response as a way to keep them enjoying it or to help, yeah, help the show flourish. Uh, yeah, the school of thought that people should just get up on a stage and just have fun for them is bonkers to me. <laughs> <laughs> because it's a, it's, you're putting on a show. Right. I know, I might regret these strong opinions later. We'll see how well, we go. Well, I think, like, part of the, um, the former is, like, uh, you know, this idea that the audience doesn't necessarily know what they want. So like we need to have an awareness of what they want, but like, so in one sense, it's like, oh, who cares what the audience thinks because I know what they want better than they do. But also that's because I'm listening to them. Like they don't know that they want, they don't know that you want them to say the moon is big again, but you heard that that made the room ruffle. So I'm going to do it again and that's what's going to surprise them because they didn't know they wanted it, but I heard that they wanted it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. They're, yeah, I don't think the audience went in being like, God, I hope they make a joke about the moon. <laughs> but it's a, it's, a, it's a case of recognising that they did enjoy that and therefore steering into it or making an effort to not steer away because you think you know better of like, you think that they really want uh, something else when they've already laughed at something. Give them more of that. Um, and of course, keep it fun for you because as soon as you go dead behind the eyes and the audience, will so. <laughs> dead behind the eyes, I see it all the time. Um, yeah. And I think that another thing, just to harp on this topic, and I might be wrong about this for sure, but mm. I think where that has been um, misunderstood, the idea of like, who cares what the audience wants um, yeah. is like, because the audience is doing that natural like storyteller thing. If we use the, if we use the date scene as an example, again, like uh -huh. the audience expects like, uh, for, for food to be ordered and the audience expects for you to uh, get to know each other. And the audience expects for you to tell each other about each other's careers. And then the audience uh -huh. expects you to decide who pays the bill and whether or not you're going home together tonight. The audience is like telling uh -huh. that story of like a linear date night. And like, that's the part that we don't care to honor. Like, because no one, like, they don't know that they don't want that. <laughs> if they got that, they'd be like, what the, I knew that was going to happen. That's so boring. Yeah. I think laughter is like the, like joy and surprise. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so of course you're not going to, you going, not following that trajectory and then re repeating the moon thing is going to cause that little glitch, that little surprise in their brain, mm -hmm. which will contribute to that. Um, yeah, and also I think, like I said before, it's not a case of repeating a catchphrase over and over until the laughter dissipates and you're like, oh, yeah. gosh, what do I repeat now? You definitely need to heighten it and make it bigger and, uh, again, back to Moon Guy, uh, <laughs> go, to, go to, like, uh, get out of that restaurant, go up to the moon, uh, try to communicate it, like, make it big, but that's 
from the repetition initially. You can't just right. uh, keep repeating, repeating the moon phrase over and over. No, right. Of course, you need to explore why that why this guy is too interested. And that's the other thing. Like, um, it's like sometimes game is just someone being too interested in something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's totally. Like something normal, but there's just too much interest going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, Del Close, uh, his definition of laughter, um, just because you gave yours, um, was uh, the um, – I'm going to screw this up big time. <laughs> Who cares? It's my you podcast. <laughs> No, no, I don't. I don't Google nothing. This is all. All right. I I refuse to Google my whole life. Um, It's uh, two two ideas, two previously incompatible ideas come together to form new understanding, and the result of Uh that result of that is laughter. Um, And it is like my understanding of a date night being interrupted by my understanding of a person like a a, um, astrologist. Mm. Astronomist? Astronomer? Wait. <laughs> Astronomer. Oh, let's get Google, Bronnie. Come on. <laughs> you got to give me. No, astrology is the pseudoscience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Astronomy I, is the I don't know what space. you're trying to say, though. So, like, my understanding of date nights versus, <laughs> yes. like, my understanding of astronomy, they're coming together to form a new understanding in this date because this guy's too interested. He's not an astronomer, but he's interested in the moon, and we have to def- we have to figure out why. And the conflicting ideas there coming together are causing me to laugh. Yeah, that's, yeah, I think that's spot on. Yeah, um, like I said before, it's it's re- the repetition is a way of like revealing this obsession, which hopefully, because it's improv, the player would have no idea that they would have landed on at the start of the scene. And hopefully, when they start repeating something, they're not going into it knowing it will lead to them wanting to fuck the moon or them being scared of the moon or whatever it ends up being this obsession. Um, you don't start the repetition with that in mind, knowing that this glitch is with the audience or this like these contradictory ideas are going to come together. You're going to figure that out, hopefully, with your scene partner as well. Right. And like in your experience, when you do it, like when you do rely on this technique, are you cognizant of like what occurs that causes you to go back? Like if you, is it, is it a case of you, do you get to a point in a scene where you're like, what's next? And that's when you choose to go back or is it just you just randomly are just like always looking back to find stuff? I think it, I think it does become a muscle the more you do it. And I, it can feel a bit uh, unnatural at the start when you're like, okay, so now I'll make an effort to go back. But eventually you shouldn't be on stage trying to invent. I think you should always be looking at what's happened so far in not just your own play, but also in your scene partners, because there are two people up there. Can you get them to talk about something again? Can you facilitate their own repetition? Uh, So no, I don't think it is a, it's an active decision. It's more, I think eventually it does become like, oh, let's return to that thing the audience already enjoy. So it's like a scenes are a little bit more cyclical for you than... Like it's not it's not a straight linear shot from like minute one to minute three of just like we did this then we did this then we did this then we did this and then we did this. You're no to way. Like, we are we are at the date. Yeah. We're not going to leave this table, and I'm just going to circle around this one. Mm. This one thing. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. I think I know you should you should always be in the moment and playing with your same partner, right? I don't think that you should be anticipating any move you're going to do. Uh, you should just have some stuff in your toolbox uh, that you'll like naturally reach to, uh, but I don't think you should be planning that necessarily. 
Yeah, and in terms of this is a bit off topic, so feel free to cut no, it. Go. Um, it just, it just, I feel like I give, I'm giving the note constantly, especially in earlier levels. Um, rather than uh, doing a base reality and then inserting something or repeating something, uh, kind of actively, if you stay in a scene long enough trying to do a base reality, especially earlier levels. Most people who are doing improv already have that kind of comedy brain or are at least a bit weird. And so they'll eventually stumble onto something, right? You know, don't feel like, uh, I think the fast way to kill a scene, like I said before, is to arbitrarily start doing things um, or calculating things, whereas you'll stumble on something that will eventually make the audience laugh and then you can jump back to that. For sure. And even if you don't realise that you've stumbled upon the thing, mm. Ideally, hopefully your scene partner realized that you stumbled upon something. Totally. It's like if you, if you, Millie, start obsessing about your base reality and really investing in it, um, mm. you're going to eventually, if you're like, if you're just trying to be disciplined about like, I have my base reality, I'm making, I'm making toast and uh, I'm asking you what ingredients you want on it. And mm. when you sell, tell me jam, I'm going to get specific about jam and like, that's, mm. that's a best, that's our base reality. And you're getting so invested. Eventually you're going to say something weird. Yeah to me in that totally. in that because the commitment of you will just be like your improviser brain will eventually just say something that doesn't fit or something that was wrong <laughs> absolutely yeah no absolutely absolutely and i'm really glad you mentioned the scene partner stuff as well because if sometimes people are so um their adrenaline's pumping so much on stage that they'll say something that'll get a huge laugh and they won't even realize it because they're like they've got the blood pumping in their ears um, and they feel like it, it, things are happening at such a fast pace that they won't clock that the audience has really uh, like grappled onto something that they've said. So it is sometimes the scene partner's job to be like, oh, what was that? Can we go back to that thing that was absolutely killing and you've just barreled past because you're just uh, such a ball of adrenaline. So yeah, definitely help out your scene partner, especially if you know they have a tendency to not realise how funny they're being. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think improv gets like the more obviously I'm privileged to be able to have played so many times. So like, I don't, mm. there's like a, there's a, there's a point in improv where, um, you know, originally every show is very important. And so mm. like, you want to do all your best work in that one show. Cause who knows when the next show is going to be. Um, but I've been lucky enough for that to be for, for me to know when my next show is going to be and know that like, oh, if I don't get this one, I'll get the next one. Mm. Uh, so like you start to learn that you can just trust that, you know, oh, I'm playing with Millie, so she'll, if I say something funny, she'll grab it. So I can just go out there and not try to be funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I'll just go for it and she'll eventually pull me up on something and, and I'm just going to try to do the same for her. And yeah. it becomes this game of like, I'm going to watch out for the funny things that you do and I'm going to trust that you're going to watch out for the funny things that I do. Yeah. I mean, that's the that's when you see the best teams, right? When they're not doing these calculations on stage for themselves, but doing it for their teammates Yeah. and making sure that, their teammates will shine. Uh, whenever I'm playing with someone uh, called Fianna Daru, who is an improviser at TIC, um, and I know you do this too, Bronnie, sometimes you know she flourishes when she's left alone on stage. <laughs> so we'll make active efforts to facilitate that. And no, it's not throwing her under a bus, but it's knowing that like she'll be able to like lift that bus up and like do a flip with it. <laughs> and the audience will freak the fuck out. Um, yeah, and that's where the best teamwork comes when you're, you know, your teammate's strength and you can just throw them some easy ones and they can hit, hit it out of the park. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's funny cause 
uh, I have done an episode with her. I don't know if it'll be out before or after yours, but um, I do mention that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we do pimp her out, don't we? I mentioned that like of all the people I've ever played with, I leave her alone more than (laughs) than anyone else. She looks so comfortable. It's fantastic. And uh, I just want to touch on, um, because we've talked about repetition, making things funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think there's some value in like repeating things to make things important. Like, yes. um, especially maybe, uh, in like group, group scene scenarios or group game scenarios, it can feel like, uh, if there's, if there's eight of us on stage and we're all in this one scene, there's a pressure on me to be, uh, singularly funny when it gets to me. But, um, I can just as easily just repeat what you said four lines ago. And whilst it might mm-hmm. not be funny, it might be funny, which would be a bonus, but um, it will at least just like make what you said more important. Like- totally. Yeah. We've all seen those group games or group scenes where it's essentially becomes like a lineup and people take turns saying their funny thing down the line. And I remember being at like near the end of those lines, freaking out, being like, oh God, so-and-so was before me. They're going to say something so freaking funny. <laughs> oh no. Um, where, exactly what you're saying, Bronnie. If you just repeat something that someone else said earlier, you become not a lineup of individuals, but a team who find each other funny and are elevating it and making it important. Yeah. Uh, openings is a great example of that. It's not just a big shotgun approach of everyone trying out a billion ideas, seeing what sticks. Mm-hmm. It's choosing what sticks and choosing to make your teammates' um, ideas bigger and more important. Now for a practical nugget. So my practical tip would be don't try and insert a laugh or insert a joke or an unusual thing. If you stay in a base reality long enough, eventually uh, you'll stumble on something that you enjoy or the audience enjoys. Yeah, there is like, there's definitely some um, little bit of instinct for some reason that pops up that improvisers will go like, all right, I've done my base reality and mm-hmm. now I will stop committing to it and try to figure out what the funny thing is. Totally. And, and now like... I'll be the monkey doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, fine, they're doing monkey doctor, whatever. That's f- good, good idea. Um, yeah. But then they forget that, um, like they forget the part of the base reality that will s- help them get the next level of the monkey doctor. Like totally. They're a bloody, they're on a train to Michigan and they reveal that they're a monkey doctor and then they never ever talk about getting to Michigan ever again. And it's like, no, but if you yeah. talk about Michigan again, like you'll probably find the next part of your game. Your monkey doctor game. There's probably <laughs> a monkey hospital there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. Yeah. You got to rest your little monkey doctor shtick. So Does that, that can... come with a bit of experience as well? Knowing not maybe not experience, but confidence knowing that if I sit with this long enough, eventually I know we'll get somewhere because I have confidence in my training and my skills, and more importantly, in my teammates, as opposed to a newer improv- improviser who would need to rely on those gags. I think it, yeah, I think it comes with experience, but it also comes with, um, yeah, that trust that like, it, it's like what I said before, like I, I have a greater hit rate in my shows because I, I no longer care as much if this show, like I don't need to get all my funny out tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like I know I've got another shot tomorrow or the next day. Mm. And, and by result of me not trying so hard to get all my funny out, I end up getting more of my funny out. Totally. Because I'm just willing to like, yeah, I'll sit in this because 
I can mm. trust that it'll get somewhere. And if it doesn't get anywhere, at least we had a really interesting base reality. Yeah. It's why shows with family members in the audience are always the worst. <laughs> They'll never come. And when they do, you want to make your mother laugh. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. And you try so hard. You try so hard. You whip it. Monkey doctor. <laughs> German accent. Moon guy. <laughs> she hates it all. Uh, you'd been trying moon guy since you were like four years old. I don't know. <laughs> Come around. That's good. Um, great. So, wait, what was your advice? Um, uh, it was sit in a base reality uh, oh, until yeah. you find something. Great, great. Yeah. Um, so, I'm going to take uh, that on board um, cool. and sit in the base reality with you. I'm also going to try to um, at least think about repetition as well. And I'll probably, cool. you might do it too. I might spot you doing it. Who cool. knows? Uh, but essentially, we'll just do a scene and all bets are off. Cool. Um, your suggestion is milk. One milk, two sugars. There you go, dear. Thank you, dear. Oh, how lucky are we? Uh, first day of retirement. I oh. I couldn't have uh, wished for anything more. Oh, have you finished with that paper? Um, I've just got to read the funnies for a minute and then, oh. and then it's all yours. Oh. Um, Don't worry. Take your time. I'll I mean, you. at this point, like we're getting so much super, we're so flush. We could just start buying two papers. Oh, well, let's not go crazy. It's okay. I'll just sit. I'll wait. Okay, you can sit. You can sit if you like. Um, I'll be done in just just one moment once I'm okay. Once I'm done with this funny, delightful snake that always gets up to mischief. I can't wait to see what he does. Yeah, I mean, That's look, boring. we should. Let's invest in two two papers each day. I don't like your tone. I don't like I don't like this attitude you've taken since retirement, Greg. <laughs> what what are we doing? Marg, Marg, it's only been it's only been one day and I don't think my tone changed at all. I, you one second into retirement and we're millionaires. Is that the attitude? <laughs> what are we I, doing? I mean, we do have a clean mill in the in the super. Like we're I'm telling you, darling, we're flush, man. Emergencies. What emergencies are we going to have between now and death? I mean, the next emergency is probably death, Dal. I'll wait for your paper. I don't mind staring at this wall till you're done. Okay. Well, that's that's lovely. You've always been a beautiful, patient woman, and I really, I really adore you for that. Um, so just let if, me, just let me, I'm just going to read the, the little snake, sorry, okay? I'm just going to, I'm just going to grab your tea bag so I can make my tea a little bit more flavorful. Just one second, though. Okay, Marg. And just when you're done with that, I'd love you to consider maybe um, in future we could, uh, we could probably uh, manage using two tea bags a day. If, if you... Oh, are we a Rockefeller? Um, are we a Rockefeller? Is that what we're doing? That's what we're doing? Dar, that's an that's an old reference of a rich person. I mean, there's richer people. Oh no, I've never heard of one. Well, are you the monopoly man? Do we live in Mayfair? What are we doing? Mark, Mark, come. Listen, we Oh listen, I, I know this you is... won't you know you won't want to share a chair with me. I guess I'll get off now. Dar, I would love you to use the other chair in the house and stop saving it for guests. <laughs> want it to break lest a guest come over like a Rockefeller. Dal, is this anxiety because you don't have a job anymore? What, What's going on, Dal? <laughs> I've just 
just want to make sure we're set up for the next 20 to 30 years. Darling, we have lived below our means for so long. We have been so conservative and so cautious and now we get to reap the benefits. Let's not be cautious until we die. I, I just want to be sure, okay, and I need that newspaper sooner than I said because I need to go to the bathroom soon. Okay, darling. Well, that's fine, okay? I also need to go to the toilet. Great. May I use the sports section? What do you mean by use it? (laughs) 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 On my bottom (laughs) for my poo. Um, Toilet paper is very expensive. No, I I know. Um, I'm... I'm just trying to process why you're choosing the sports section um, instead of any other section, uh, but I guess that's besides the point. Um, look, I'm just going to go down the street right now. I'm going to get us some toilet paper. Don't you dare! I'm going to get us. Um, I'm going to get us uh, another paper. And if you walk out that door, I'm calling Bank West and I'm cancelling all your cards. Marg. My, my finger's on, on the dial right now, and, and I know the, the man who works there very well. I call him a lot. Okay, I'll stay home. Listen, how about this? Since we're going to spend the day at home, I can't leave, apparently. Why don't, we, why don't we finally have that second child? What is wrong with our dog? There you have it, my friends. That was Millie Holton. What a legend. Um, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed it. And, hey, during the pandemic times, not a a lot of us, a lot of us used to have plenty of things to plug, uh, but my guests lately have been like, no, man, I've got nothing to plug, which was the case with Millie. However, I'm going to ignore the fact that she said she's got nothing to plug, and I'm going to plug something uh, if you go to the Improv Conspiracy Instagram page, that's just at Improv Conspiracy, you can check out our TV channel and there is a sketch written and performed by Millie and Jenny Townsend called Sad Housemate that Millie wrote and shot for one of our online house sketch nights um, that we've done during home times. I find it very funny. So if you're looking for a little laugh to cap off this podcast session you've just enjoyed check out sad housemate on the improv conspiracy instagram page besides that my friends i have nothing much else to tell you except maybe um your friends are happier when you're happy so look after yourself bye bye thanks for listening to the improv conspiracy podcast For information about our online comedy writing classes on offer during the COVID-19 pandemic, as well as heavily discounted vouchers for our future improv classes, head to improvconspiracy.com. 